Hello and welcome to our second podcast episode. Today we're discussing the importance of the patient-practitioner relationship. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. When it comes to healthcare, there's a lot of different systems to navigate. There's a lot that we don't really learn in school about how to deal with practitioners and how to get the most out of our consultations with the various healthcare professionals that we see in our lives. And I was just wondering if you could explain to us a little bit about what you think is important when it comes to a patient going and seeing that practitioner for the first time. Um, I think be prepared, you know, if they've got past blood tests, if they've got past scans, if they've had any reports written up about them, bring them along. Um, so that the patient, the, the practitioner, sorry, has got everything in front of them and they can make the most out of the situation. It's important that no matter who we see, that we have a clear understanding of what we want from the consultation. Um, maybe write down some questions before we get there. Mm -hmm. Know a bit of their history. Um, have done our bit of our research of you know, what's the person's limitations that we're seeing? You know, don't expect everything from this one person. Mm -hmm. um, so if they're a specialist, they're specialised in that particular area. So if you turn up at a first uh, consultation and you don't know very much about what particular operation you might have had and what it was for and, um, you know, your, your history, you know, do you have anything particular in the family like thalassemia? hemochromatosis that you might know about that might really help that practitioner um, in maybe giving particular vitamins or not giving particular vitamins, like you wouldn't give iron to someone who's got a hemochromatosis gene. You know, things like that is, is going to help them and speed up the healing process and, and the discovery process. Right, but like hemochromatosis, I guess I don't even know what that means. A lot of people wouldn't know what they necessarily have or even if they've been told, maybe they've forgotten. So um, what would you suggest? Like they go to their medical practice and get their, their records or, um, you know, should they be bringing along that much to a first consult or is it sort of on the practitioner to, to talk them through, through yeah, that? Not, yeah, not necessarily go to a, a huge expense extreme to go and get like me medical records from birth you, it's none of that sort of <laughs> stuff like yeah yeah nothing like that it's more um often with hemochromatosis for example or thalassemia if it's in the family usually people will know about okay, it okay yeah yeah usually because it can cause liver damage to take iron in that situation but actually a lot of people are walking around and don't even know that they've got it mm -hmm. okay so that's fine like that will be part of the process of discovery Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they'll they'll present themselves a certain way, and through the process of blood tests and and clues, you know, the practitioner may discover this in that in that process. But it's just that if they do know that stuff, to make sure that they tell the practitioner if right, they know right. they're allergic to certain things like penicillin, um, they need to to tell people that, you know, so that um, the practitioner's got. Yeah, just a really good start to knowing how to help this patient get better. Right. So how do you think, do you think that actually contributes to, I mean, this is a bit controversial, but how well a patient gets looked after? 
definitely. If a patient knows that they've got a history um, of autoimmune diseases in the family, then as they might have the onset, but it's early days, Mm -hmm. but they're feeling quite tired and quite unwell and maybe a bit achy, the person might end up that's treating them might go on a um, a total hunt to, or or down a track of doing a whole heap of other sort of tests or using maybe some um, because a lot of us feel pain from time to time, right? And a lot of us feel tired from mm-hmm. time to time. But if we know that that there's a history or a strong history, say of rheumatoid arthritis in the family or um, or scleroderma or some, some, you know, or lupus, then you're more likely to, to look at, okay, let's, let's make sure this isn't because of that first. It's going to be faster. We'd sort of go, okay, let's have a look. Is there any autoimmune triggers happening first? And then if that's not the case via a blood test, say, for instance, then we would go down the, okay, then this is probably just some, let's look at how you, you know, how you're sitting at work, how, what sort of activities are you doing that could be exacerbating this or, you know, maybe have you been exposed to glandular fever lately and, and, and go down that road after we look at, or maybe even at the same time in the same blood test, we would ask for more things. So, yeah, it just, it, it's more the fact that it just helps the, uh, the practitioner quicken the way that they get to know what's going on here. And it's not just... A lot of the time, patients will, will come to me and say, oh, I've spent the last five years going from one person to another person to another person. Um, and, you know, people have gone down a certain trail where it's... Um, and, and the practitioners that they've chosen as well. So mm. they might sort of think, oh, look, I had a lot of aches and pains. And they've gone through, say, for instance, a chiropractor or uh, for a long period of time, and they feel better as a relief soon after. But then it's chronic; it's becoming mm. something that's going on and on and on. And then, um, you know, we've performed a simple blood test and found out they had rheumatoid arthritis, and they could have been treated a lot earlier for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they just would have gone to the GP, gone really. to the GP, yeah. and maybe had a look at, um, or another practitioner that maybe is, you know, more more detailed in looking at that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's just unfortunate people, you know, or sometimes things are happening at the same time. So, for instance, someone might be menopausing. And so as a result, they're thinking, oh, I'm feeling like this because I'm going through menopause. It must be because of that. But actually, at particular times of your life, and menopause is one of them, if there were things that were underlying, all of a sudden they can be raised. And so they might be going through rheumatoid arthritis onset as Mm. well at the same time as menopause. And they're thinking it's because of menopause. Yeah, and they're not sort of investigating properly. They're sort of thinking, oh, yeah, that's in that big basket of lots of symptoms. But they're not thinking, well, hang on, maybe I should just go and talk to somebody and see, is it because of this? Or is there a few things happening at the same time? Well, I guess that's a problem with self-diagnosis as well. Sort of you need to be aware enough of your body to go and seek help, but you don't want to be think that you're aware enough to just kind of manage it yourself. Oh, 100%. And the other way too, um, you know, people go to Dr. Google 
and then they think that they have everything. And then yep, I've, I've done that. Oh, 100%. And I have people going to, like, they come to me and they've seen 15 different practitioners mm. because they're, they, they really want to get to the bottom of something and they're thinking that the practitioner is saying, no, I don't think it's actually this. And we've run some blood tests not showing that. They might be thinking, no, but I know that there's something else happening. And the problem with people in general is that we are individuals and not one thing fits all. So in doing that, that one diagnosis, you might have headaches and that could be from a structural problem, it could be from a bad pillow, it could be because you sleep on your tummy, it could be because um, you're having um, things that you're allergic to mm. um, and that's one of the symptoms. It could be a magnesium deficiency. It could be it could lots of inflam- inflammatory. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It could be a whole heap of things. And then, um, you know, they're not necessarily addressing that they might be going down MRIs and thinking brain tumours and going down that path, or it could be that, and they're Mm. going down another path Mm. um, where they're thinking, oh, no, it's just my bad pillow, Mm. or it's because I have late nights. Mm. So that's why you really want to, you know, just get a second or even third opinion of what actually might be happening here and, um, yeah, and whatever sort of you feel comfortable with. Um, to go with that but Mm. usually the body's giving us symptoms to cry out for things Mm. and so it's not just you know just because the symptom is common it doesn't mean that it's not necessarily something that could be telling us something another story but also might be you know something very simple Mm. so just you know really bad posture or you know you need to exercise and Mm. you're not and um yeah you know just it's just more if if you can just do some extra investigation, find someone that's clever, that you know how you have got a rapport with, that you trust, that you really can relate to and you know they've got your best interest at heart. You know, I think that's the main thing. You, you know when people are genuine and, and sincere and have your best interest at heart and also someone who's humble enough in a, as a practitioner mm-hmm. to say this is out of my my comfort zone I'm going to pass you on to or help somebody else I need somebody else's help here to sort of investigate um I know it's not these things but let's have a look if it's anything else and then if it's not that then we'll go down this other path and we'll have a look and in the meantime you know they sort of know how to calibrate everything yeah right this sort of sounds like I mean, just thinking about that Dr Google thing I definitely have done that where I've gone oh look something up they've gone Oh, my God, I'm, like, dying. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Definitely. I have patients like that all the time. And actually, when they come to me, it's really difficult because the more they've looked at Dr. Google um, and the more diseases that they have now in their mind, you spend a lot of the time trying to explain to them why it can't be a particular disease. Mm. Um, And it's really obvious that it's not a particular disease, especially if you say, oh, no, that's someone... That, it, that you have to be a woman to experience that you're mm. a man mm. like it's that sort of you know obvious mm. that sometimes they're like oh so I don't need to worry about that right or um you, you just spend all this time talking about that instead of talking about all the things you need to get through in that particular initial consult or whatever um or they're coming to me having a whole heap of vitamins, like, you know, 10, 15 different vitamins because they've looked up Dr. Google or what they think is good for them. 
um, and they're self-diagnosing and uh, then, you know, and, yeah, they're not sort of getting, they haven't got the background and the knowledge to know, okay, in these particular situations this is what we do and this is what we don't do, Mm. obviously, you know. I thought it was really interesting when you said, um, you know, with finding, you know, looking for a practitioner and getting different opinions but also finding a practitioner that, uh, is willing to say this isn't my area of expertise. What are some other clues that we can look out for when it comes to finding, you know, I guess a keeper in terms of practitioners? Mm. I think so you get two attitudes normally. You'll get the person that's trying to brush off somebody who says, oh, this is not my expertise and just wants just wants to put their head in the sand and, and just move on. And then you'll get someone who's really there for you but is saying this isn't my expertise, but I'm here for you mm-hmm. and I'll help guide you um, all the way mm-hmm. back and forth. So they're really like the, the middleman that's trying to help guide you because mm-hmm. they can make it more simple for you to understand and interpret maybe what the specialist has sort of said as well as, um, it, like I was saying before, it might not be just one symptom And you might have three things, four things happening at the same time and it's not one particular disease or illness or chronic illness that's causing all of them. So sometimes what happens is patients will put it all into the one basket. Oh, I'm experiencing this because I have chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. You know, and you you sort of think, well, not really because you might be experiencing it because you're becoming a diabetic Mm -hmm. at the same time. So, yes, you're feeling tired and you might have chronic fatigue, but you might also be having other issues um, going on. And so, therefore, um, that can happen a lot of the time. People will just go down this one trail like, yep, found it, found the reason I'm feeling all this stuff. And so, therefore, they let go of the practitioner that was helping them sort of discover that. Mm. And in the meantime, they're still just... I suppose the the outcome or the downside is they don't experience the best health that they could be experiencing and, in fact, end up um, disadvantaging themselves by doing that. If they just keep looking for a one answer that fits all, that's, you know, our bodies don't do that. We're filled with lots of biochemistry that's doing um, lots and lots of different things and, and some major systems. And often what happens is while the person's concentrating on their prostate cancer issue that might take 15 to 20 years to, you know, a lot of time people aren't aren't dying of prostate Mm. cancer, Mm. they're dying of other things. And in the meantime, they've got a blocked artery that they could have cleared and they've got other things that are going on in their body and they're thinking they're feeling unwell because of this prostate issue, but Mm. actually it's something else. Mm. And I think... Yeah, I just that's why I'm saying if, if people are just aware of them, their health and they're open to, you know, um, looking at their health. And men tend to be really bad <laughs> in this sort of thing. And, and I, you know, I hate to generalise, but I do sort of see this. Men will brush aside a lot of stuff. So they come to you and really you think, okay, you're coming to me with these sim- system, uh, symptoms, sorry, but really... You're now trying to, as I'm walking you through stuff, and they might have really bad lifestyle habits, while you're trying to sort of walk me through 
this and we're sort of going, okay, now this is what's going on. I can see what's going on here. Can you see how you um, not protecting your back and not doing certain things has caused a lot of inflammation and as a result it's causing, you know, maybe poor sleep and a weight gain and a whole heap of other things that could be happening. Um, some of the guys will just be happy with, oh, yeah, but my mate... You know, I mean, I've just got to get some sleep and I've just got to um, toughen up. They see it like a toughening up thing because most of my mates are in the same position and they're doing fine. So what I'll do is I'll just drink a little bit less beer and I'll start doing a little bit of exercise and that'll solve everything. And in the meantime, not investigating maybe where is their heart? Um, how's their cardiovascular system going? What was their family history? Were there strokes in the family? Is it something we can prevent? Is it something that, you know, they're feeling um, breathless because their their arteries are, are blocking up? Mm. Have they got high blood pressure? Did they, you know, um, they just wait usually until it's really serious and they're in mm. hospital. It made me think of two things when you said that. One was what we were talking about the other day um, about sort of the problem with averages you know mm. optimal health versus kind of average health um you know a lot of people are just looking to get to that kind of like you know nothing's wrong at the moment I'm okay but also how that relates to having an ongoing practitioner like I was talking um to some people the other day about how hard it is to find you know one GP to look after you you know you maybe you'll go to one medical center but you've got 10 different G gps that you've, you've seen in a three-year period um you know how important do you think having an ongoing relationship with you know once you find that practitioner who's integrative whether it's you know on the, the natural medicine side or on the more conventional medicine side um how important do you think that is in, in terms of what you're talking about and also um, in terms of optimum health? I think if you can, um, if you're comfortable with a, a GP or um, um, an alternative and complementary medicine person that you've known for a really long time, they tend to know your history so they know how you handle situations, they know your mental health around particular um, situations, they know your family, they know you, what you've gone through and it gives them that, um, it gives them a different perspective on how to help you in the future. If you go to somebody that's new, it's not that they can't help you, but they don't have that particular history so therefore they might sort of think, oh no, that's okay, this is how we're going to deal with it. And they might not think, oh, hang on, but the last time we had this happen, this wasn't the best approach. This other way that actually got the got um, the better outcome was the better approach. So therefore, this is the way we have to work with this particular patient because we get to a better outcome faster. Mm -hmm. So the history is actually really good. Also, um, like I know with some patients that I've been dealing with for 17 years, I know their bodies really well. So when they come to me, I already know um, the best way to sort of um, help them because I know 
how resilient they are or maybe how delicate they are around situations. I know what scares them. I know what doesn't scare them. I know what people to recommend to them because I know their personalities better. Um, so it sort of helps from that perspective as well. But sometimes on the flip side of that, you might have not found a great practitioner mm. and you're sticking with somebody who's yeah. got this history. Mm -hmm. And therefore, instead of getting fresh eyes and someone that you think, oh, whoa, you know, this person's told me more in that one sitting than that other person told me over six years. Mm. There's that as well. So it's more about looking at what's worked, what's made you get really good outcomes in the past, um, looking at their life as well. You know, a lot of the time if, you, if, if someone's a, a good practitioner and they really are somebody who um, is self-aware and, um, you know, really believes in what they are teaching, they will tend to live their life that way as well. So they will tend to um, be quite fit and healthy or at least, you know, um, patient and kind and a good listener. You know, that sort of thing. They tend to be like that. Um, in, and so you can see, all oh, right, this is actually working. What you're advising actually works. So I think that helps as well. But, yeah, I just think it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one because you can just be – I have that impatience too where they say, oh, yeah, I've seen this person for 20 years. And, um, you know, I just – if they say this, then that's what I'm going to go by. And actually it's worked against them instead of for them. So it is tricky. So do you think there's a role that intuition plays in that as well? Do you think, um, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, that doesn't sit right with me, um, is that a sign that you need to maybe just go and have a chat with someone else and get a second opinion? Yeah, I would. I, I think that's important. I don't think it might necessarily mean anything mm -hmm. because the thing is, is it can. Um, and I know with me it has, but it will depend on how well you know yourself as well. Mm. So if you're someone that's, um, you know, really in tune with yourself, then your intuition could really help you. If you're someone that's not and you've just heard a whole heap of bad stories so that when you go and actually speak to a specialist, you think, oh, yeah, you know, you've already gone with preconceptions. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I know what you're on about. You've just mentioned that word and everybody else that mentioned that word, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. So it just really depends on the situation. But I think if your intuition is telling you anything other than I feel really comfortable, then you need to get a second opinion. The second opinion might be exactly the same, and that's great if that sort of marries up because then you think, oh, okay, now I better sort of stand up and listen and, and pay attention here. But I think in those cases, definitely get a second opinion. Right back at the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about how patients, if they have knowledge about their health it's important that they share it you know they may not know but if they do know it's really important that they let their practitioner know because it can guide them in you know sort of one direction or the other uh, have you seen cases where maybe patients know um about you know a condition they have but they're embarrassed or they're scared to share it or maybe they share it with you but then they don't share it with someone else definitely 
you know, some people might have, have HIV mm-hmm. and they're not disclosing that because they think they're going to be judged mm-hmm. um, a certain way. Um, or they take drugs and they're not disclosing that because, you know, they like think illi- they're illicit, illicit drugs, drugs yeah, yeah. right, um, and, and things like that. So uh, from the point of view of a practitioner, we're not really there to judge. We're there to make um, some decisions on a particular situation that we see at hand and the best way and the best approach to try and help the practice to try and help the patient have the best outcome. Um, and so, the more we know, especially for interactions, for instance, someone might not tell a practitioner that they're on an antidepressant, and then they go and see a naturopath, who might go and give them St John's Wort. Now, that is not recommended if someone's taking an antidepressant, but they might be embarrassed about taking an antidepressant because when they were growing up, that meant that they were a crazy person. Right, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's whatever they're bringing to the table, if they don't disclose certain things, it actually can be harmful for them. Um, As well as, you know, if someone's on the pill and they might be... um, they might be presenting with like a depression, for instance, um, but they're 16 years old. And so they don't want their practitioner to tell their mum they think that's what's going to happen, mm-hmm. that they're on the pill. Um, so the person, again, goes and prescribes maybe some St John's wort, which isn't supposed to be taken when you're on the pill. Mm-hmm. So it's more about the more the person's being open it's not about a judgment. It's about, okay, how do I help them and what shouldn't I or shouldn't I use in this particular scenario? And, um, you know, the, the ultimate aim is to feel better and to get help. So the more we can tell the practitioner, and you'll probably find that when you do, they're not going to be judgmental. They're mm. actually just going to be understanding a lot of the time because you're not the only person that's presenting like this. Mm. You're just one of many, many people (laughs) that are presenting like this. And so therefore it's like, oh, okay, I can't use these things, so therefore I'm going to go down this path. Or the fact that that person might be on an antidepressant, let's get more into maybe looking at are they seeing a counsellor? Is that Mm -hmm. being taken care of? And it helps us, you know, know that person better. So it's just more out of fear. There's, You know, people often have fear around practitioners and doctors and you know blood pressure tends to go up around doctors and (laughs) and all that sort of stuff that white coat scenario but it's I think um yeah if you can just start by getting a really um uh a really good communication or um a practice find a practitioner that you feel really at home with and trust trustworthy with or they try you can trust them then you're probably going to find all these other problems don't tend to happen because you'll open up and you'll feel you know accepted and validated and you'll be able to get the most out of that that situation elizabeth thanks for joining me my pleasure